while we continue working with the private sector to develop technologies and create good jobs in both of our countries, we have to make sure that everyone benefits. We must continue to invest in people because when we invest in people and in progressive policies, we fight inequality and we grow the economy. All right, that is our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as he faced the microphones with the German Chancellor Schulz today. And, you know, it kind of sounded like 2015, but we're going to take another look at what happened today between the German uh, Chancellor. He's still in Toronto. I believe they were attending a dinner tonight in the big city. Joining us is Heather exner Perot, a senior policy analyst at the McDonald Laurier Institute. Heather, good evening. Hi, thanks for having me. There we have the Prime Minister doing his general, let's all come together, investing in jobs and people. What do you make of what happened today with the German Chancellor and the Prime Minister? You know, they began by kind of pushing one option aside and then a little unclear on what has been accomplished. How are you looking at this tonight? Well, I mean, obviously the focus has become hydrogen and there's nothing inherently wrong with hydrogen. And in 20, 30, 40 years, it will probably be uh a a good source of energy and and more widely adopted. But we shouldn't forget that the the whole premise for the Germans was to come here to convince uh, the Canadians and try to get an announcement on LNG. And they started laying the groundwork for this in March when Trudeau was in Berlin uh, and again at the G7 meeting in June uh, with the hopes, obviously, when when they arranged for him to come to Canada in August that, you know, something could be ready to be announced by then. But little did they know, they haven't been paying attention. It's very hard to get an LNG announcement in Canada. And so they had to shift focus. Um, I don't know if people know, but natural gas is trading at the equivalent of about $500 a barrel in Europe this week. It's hit fresh all-time highs. There's obviously an energy crisis, and LNG is the immediate near-term solution. Um, but uh, hydrogen in, in, in a few years from Canada will have to do for now. It is. You know, we have uh, the Prime Minister saying that Canada is willing to ease regulatory hurdles to help Germany break its dependency off Russian energy, the big concept behind all of this. And is uh, the Prime Minister stepping into waters that may come back to bite him here? Well, I mean, I, I think until three days ago, everyone thought that maybe they would talk about LNG. Mm-hmm. And there have been proposals. Uh, in fact, I think the federal government rejected one just in, in February. Um, so there, you know, there is a business case. There are private investors interested. There is obviously global demand. Uh, and, but it was, it was untenable, I think, for this government to make an announcement on LNG. Uh, there wasn't a, a political way for them to do so. So there's maybe a tiny bit of backtracking, but uh, I'll tell you some heads exploded out here in the West <laughs> said that they could ease regulatory approvals to get this LNG uh, fast-tracked. Um, if they can do it for that project, why not all the other projects, you know, that are kind of sitting uh, that could help ease the uh, energy and food crisis in the world today? It is. And I, and I wondered about that. Now, Heather, you know, here we have with the conflict in Ukraine, we have countries like Germany, we have Canada wondering and parts of Canada wondering, why aren't we the solution? Although, as we discussed earlier on our political panel, we don't know where things are going to be. It's a strange situation, isn't it? The pressure is on and um, homes are going to need heating. Things are going to start getting cold in the fall. Vladimir Putin counting on this. It's been six 
six months of that war in Ukraine. And the solutions that we're looking for might not be the solutions that work a couple of years from now. Well, I mean, with with LNG, I mean, even the International Energy Association, you know, I don't think there's a scenario so optimistic that you don't think we're going to need natural gas in 2050. The first thing to get rid of is coal. And what we're seeing, because there isn't enough natural gas, is that Germany and China and other countries are burning more coal. So that's the, that's the low-hanging fruit. Uh, I'm not sure if people appreciate either that, you know, the, the natural gas that would come out of B.C., be shipped out of B.C., would be the lowest emitting in the entire world. So we have a big opportunity. Uh, Asian demand is going to grow. Europe may stagnate in 15, 20 years. Maybe they will transition. Uh, their population is going to be in a little bit decline. But Asia's population is going to grow by another billion people. So there's, there's no forecast in the world, no consultancy that would say that natural gas demand will not grow in Asia in the next 20, 30 years. Uh, hard to see. I, you know, Minister Wilkinson said that these could be stranded assets. Hard to understand how you know, there's dozens of, of uh, import terminals being developed, but the export ones that Canada might be dealt with be stranded assets. You know, we're getting a crash course in woulda, shoulda, and now we can't get that done. And then at the same time, too, taking another look at nuclear, we know uh, Germany said, no, they're not going to go this way. It is, uh, as I said, it's the most unusual moment where we're looking back, we're looking to the future, we're wondering and seeing lessons learned that we already knew. I mean, reality is biting here when it comes to energy in the wake of this war. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's you know, pragmatism is is coming out victorious in this, as as it has to be at some point. Uh, and so, and I, you know, and there was a sense, and we know, you know, historians will evaluate this moment where it was so taboo to not be optimistic, to not say that we can transition, to not say that it, that it can happen in in a decade or two. Um, but 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 you can't. The world is still eighty percent dependent on fossil fuels, and so we have to be pragmatic. And there, you know, of course, we have to address climate change. But if we go too fast, it, the answer is people go cold. Manufacturing, you know, can't produce, and people go hungry. There are real severe consequences to not having sufficient energy supplies. Uh, you know, and so so yes, the the hard truth is biting. It's going to be even worse in winter. Uh, and I, I say this all the time, Canada will feel it the last and the least. Uh, and so and maybe that's why there just hasn't been a push here to do something about it. It's true. And also, who do we do deals with? Uh, do we do do we get ourselves into these relationships with people that we don't fundamentally agree with on so many things? That is the question also being asked about Russia. Heather Esner Perot, senior policy analyst at the McDonald Laurier Institute. Thank you for your time, Heather. Appreciate it. I'm Arlene Bunn, and you're listening to On Point.